Hey, man. So you see Bitcoin's up today? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Six bucks. And Bro. thinks he's, you know, Jeff Bezos. Enjoy staying poor, baby. Bitcoin's going to the fucking moon. What are you going <laughs> to do with that money? What are you going to do with that money? What's your Make plan? Make more money with it. You see, you take money, you spend it. I take money, my money makes money for me. But I don't expect you to get it, so. <laughs> so maybe. Have fun maybe staying poor, buddy. Yeah. Maybe something you can wrap your head around is uh, today's episode with uh, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> what a fucking transition. We're going to talk about um, travel, how to get cheap travels, um, where to go as a student. Things like that. It's very chill, calm, laid back. Um, it's a very nice episode. Maybe you yeah. can wrap your head around that. I know, man. I mean, yeah, his story's pretty cool. Uh, from a musician, I think. Yeah, from a musician to a, a worker at WestJet to like now financial working in consultant. finance, a financial consultant, which is pretty interesting, yeah. man. So I was going to say, uh, I was going to use my Bitcoin money to travel, but you know, I guess no, I'm you broke, poor. though. Yeah, I got that poor you mindset, broke, so. Yeah, you got that limiting, the sheep mindset, so, yeah. All right, let's get straight to business, boys. Enjoy. My name's uh, Jamie. Um, I am a financial planner for Investors Group Wealth Management. Um, This has been a new career switch. I've spent most of my adult life working for WestJet in the airline industry, where I've worn almost every possible hat you can on, um, I guess, a... uh, uh, operational level and prior to that I studied music my entire teens and early 20s <laughs> how did you go from that how did you go from music to the like hair industry to financial consulting what yeah it, like I, I've been like trying to conjure up the way that makes us make the most sense to you guys um <laughs> so I, I like my whole life was my whole life is music my whole life is music I did everything music I went to Guelph for music and then when I transferred to York I initially was into music I got into a little bit of a car accident and I broke all my fingers and um oh my I was a I my, my my instrument of choice was percussion and um I then still till today can't really feel the amount of pressure I'm applying on my fingertips. Like I just can't tell. And that was just a wall and like trauma, blah, 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 that I couldn't quite deal with at the time. And uh, I I left university a little bit early as a result. Um, and I tried switching majors, but just just couldn't fall in love with what I was doing. and. I, I initially, I used to have the mindset of like, you know, I, you have the spark and you go and you follow it and that's like your destiny. That's the thing you do. And I felt that I was detached from it. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I had no purpose for a little bit there. And then, um, as soon as I was recovered, I was like, okay, I got to swap purpose for experience. And then I uh, I went to New York for for Spider Man Day, um, which was a thing, uh, <laughs> and I bumped into a friend from high school, and he's like, "You should apply for this job." And I was like, "Okay." I applied for the job at Westchester because I was just like, maybe I could just start traveling, and then I I got I uh, I got the job, and it was just a customer service agent at uh, Toronto Pearson Airport, 
And that's exactly what I did. I got in there. I have no idea how they picked me. Um, I have like, like I said, my, my, my background's music. So I'm not like your like first choice on many things, but <laughs> as I kind of, as I kind of learned from, from WestJet is that you, ex you hire a person and then technical skills are trainable. Anyone can learn technical skills, but you really need people that could relate to an audience or really empathize with people, especially in mm -hmm. customer service and the high volatility of emotions that come through the airport. And then it was with WestJet that I got to, you know, I got my flight benefits. As soon as I got my flight benefits, you know what I decided to do? I was like, I'm going to Paris. Boom, went to Paris. I spent eight hours there. I was hustling. Like I had like secret sweat below my man breasts. And <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. And then, then I was like, you know what? I don't even have to stay here. They speak French. I have no idea what they're saying. I jumped <laughs> on a plane and went to London. And I spent the night in London before coming home the next day. And in 24 hours, I experienced two brand new places. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the lifestyle I could kind of get into. And sorry, I feel like I just like I took your question and ran too far. Is this the kind of thing you keep want going. me to explain this about? Is, keep this going. This is amazing. Okay. Like, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I, uh, I I spent 24 hours in two new countries and then came home the next day. And like, I wasn't getting paid a lot, but I, and I, I don't think I'm allowed talking about like the cost of the flight benefits, but moral is first yeah. year at WestJet, I was able to do that and come back home and feel zero dent in my pocket. It was there then I was like, okay, I really want to stick around here. I want more experiences like this. And WestJet was still relatively young, especially in Toronto at that point in time. And they just had so many job opportunities. And, you know, you go through the winters and I was a customer service agent, then as a baggage service agent. And then I just kind of wore every single hat, digging through the trenches with this like amazing group of people because like th that's how they hired. They didn't hire for technical skills. They, they hired specifically for customer service because the the main the main mo there was like if you if you can make do right by your people the money will follow and Westjet's business model for with customer service and everything like that always worked and so I I did that I bought, I got on board that train and you know my shifts were like 3 p.m. till 3 a.m. and you know you live that lifestyle and uh it's great. And you make some of the bestest friends there because I, I am a thorough believer of a, a team that suffers together, grows together. Uh, so yeah. when you're counting how many Christmases you ruin every single year, <laughs> like all you could do is just laugh at that point in time. Because like, yes, when I did my rain dance earlier today, I didn't anticipate the snowstorm was going to cancel all the flights. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot of what it was. And um, yeah, and then you fall in love with the lifestyle. You fall in love with operation. Like the people you work with are the only people who can see you outside of work, can go on these trips with you because you you work really hard. You do these 15-hour shifts. You have two days off. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to Vancouver. Obviously, you're taking all your WestJet friends with you, and then you're going. Then you come back, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't really get a chance to like do anything at home. And like... It just is that for like ever. 
(laughs) (laughs) And, and it it was great. And they gave me so much, so many opportunities. I wore so many hats at WestJet. And then I was always about improvement, like, because I was in this self-sustainable bubble with WestJetters and airline and customers, I always want to make this bubble better. And then I got an opportunity to kind of work outside of that. So WestJet was not unionized at the time. So I was kind of a hybrid HR and union rep. And basically yeah. I, I got to stand away from the, from the operation and looked at the things, be the employee perspective on all business decisions being made. And, you know, uh, that, that was very unique to that industry uh, to have someone there who's like, okay, culturally, how is this going to affect the employees? And it was great. But the, th- the difference here, though, was I was no longer in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on shift work. I was on the nine to five with all the other managers, uh, like the executive managers. And I was able to do some amazing work. But personally, I was now like, oh, my God. Like I could clean my house when I'm done work, and oh, my friend from high school, I could I could go out and have dinner and have a drink, something I didn't do in like ten years, <laughs> and there, there there was like this normalcy. It's like oh yeah, I'm an adult. These things are like important, you know. Like glow trotting is absolutely amazing, but like ultimately, I've built up zero life where where I where I considered home to be. <laughs> and uh and I got to do this I got to help my friends uh, create like a really great great uh employee experience at WestJet and then I was lucky enough to get offered a job within the operation as management and I was like oh my goodness this is the goal this is the dream to be to be a manager at Toronto Pearson Airport for one of the top airlines in North America and I was like this is exactly what I want but then you know what happened I got thrown back in that bubble. My adult life that I was building around it just started slipping away again. And then I was also a manager and I was juggling this adult life. And I was like, and I can't go on trips. I'm too poor. And I can't go <laughs> see people because my, my, my shifts were 3 a.m. until 1 p.m. I had to go to bed by 7 p.m. And I'm like, what did, what did I just trade here? And I'm like, oh no, this might not be working anymore. And funny enough, it was with my adventure outside of the industry, being able to go outside the bubble, that um, a gentleman, uh, basically my, my, my work partner now, he's like, you connect really well with people. That probably has something to do with your, your experience with WestJet. I want you to work for me. And let me tell you guys, anyone who knows me talking about money and you know me for the past 28 years, Never trust Jamie with that. <laughs> 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 like, like, absolutely no way. Like, I was, I was totally like, yeah, proletariat, take down the man. Like, capitalists <laughs> are evil and blah, blah, blah. Fundamentally, I still do believe in that kind of mantra. But this gentleman said the exact same thing Weshet did. It's like, we're in the business of helping people. I don't need people who know numbers. I need people who could get someone to trust in the person they're working with because financial planning, it's not about growing wealth necessarily. It's making the wealth propel your life forward, which 
light bulb hit for me. I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly the thing I'm currently struggling with. So, so I, I led this man on for quite some time. I, I said no. And then uh, WestJet um, changed my shift times and it, that's when the 3 a.m. started. And I did that for a month and I was like, this isn't the, the kind of life I want to live. And it was just supposed to be a job for jokes. Like, I, I look back on them, like, do I really like planes? No, I didn't. Like, do I like the public? Generally, no, I don't. I like one-on-one -on -one interactions, but, like, why was I there? It's because they kept throwing money at me, and I got a, like, globe trot. But, like, really, it was such a fake existence for the period. And, uh, yeah, then I switched to financial plannings. I'm a year into it, uh, and I've learned so much and like won't say i'm like the best at it it sucks being the worst at your job again but i've already been able to help people in a way like again not looking at the numbers but really looking at how to propel their life and in that aspect it almost feels similar to the job the part of the job i loved at WestJet. sorry that's a really long yeah. explanation ah, very beautiful <laughs> It was like a, it was like a like a great story. Like it had like a climax and end. It was it was pretty good. Did you write that out beforehand? This guy just typed came it in here out. with the script. <laughs> he got our questions, Doc. Well, on, <laughs> honestly, I, I I I had I had ideas, Doctor, and I think I just like scapegoated all of them. Everything I had was just thrown out the window. You seem like a nice gentlemen. I could tell you things. <laughs> no, I think it's Man. like it, I. It's quite interesting how you bring up the whole like um like all these skills that you know are like more like mechanical like we can learn but the whole aspect of like dealing with people that's something that like takes more practice right because uh, as business students like we learn courses like uh, we have this course called uh, organizational behavior so it's like basically like oh there's issues with your company how do you deal with them and like I'm just speaking from experience here I know that many students just kind of like kind of push it on the side like that's like the blow of course that they just type in some nice essay like oh uh we're gonna make everyone happy by like you know like raising their wages and then you know kumbaya whatever but <laughs> then and yeah like literally and then when it comes to real life like sometimes professionals that you know have all these skills in the world when it comes to degrees and things like that don't know how to deal with people and then that causes issues right so it's like a a, a big wake-up call for like a lot of people to start to think about these things, these soft skills, these ways of communicating that sometimes we overlook, right? So I think it's a great point what you make. Oh, definitely. Like the the biggest life lesson in all of that is, and like I was like I took philosophy in university. I was a I was a I was a cocky cocky kid coming out of university, and um, it's 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 seriously the lesson of listening to understand, not listening to react. If you're not, if you're thinking about your answer, you're not doing your job properly. You like, if, if you're, if you're coming up with a solution as someone's talking, you're failing. And that fundamentally, cause you're not, you're not actually actively listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that also just like a side point, it comes from like, just the culture of I think people feel like they always have to have a right answer and like maybe competition and everything. Like if you say something and 
and I sit like honestly I'm not even gonna lie to you I catch myself doing it I feel like Jesus you can say the same yeah. like especially in these type of episodes we'll like ask a question and sometimes the person saying that I'm like okay what right. shit? what am I gonna say next like what like I can't because I think a lot of times we feel like it's awkward if you you've just said this great story and I go hmm uh and like pause for a minute and take it in properly and then kind of see where to go from there it was interesting what you were saying about WestGen, like hiring based off like your actual soft skills and customer service because i feel like so many people ignore that like the whole existence of soft skills because they're even that orgs course you can write like oh you know treat everybody good all the employees will love each other and you know be happy and everything and we'll do these things but it's kind of ironic that even the course that is supposed to get people to learn soft skills and how to deal with people, people treat it like you can just memorize it and like treat it like accounting or finance or yeah. any other thing that's like a hard and fast thing. Like, oh, Jamie, you've come up to me with uh, this problem. Hold on. And like flip through your notes and shit and come back to you with a textbook answer. Like you really ignore soft skills. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of a, a weird thing in terms of like in uh, and like you guys are going through like business so I'm not gonna like claim to know anything about you you're probably much much more adept than I am but in the experience especially like applying the world of like Yelp and the world of reviews and everything like that and like customer satisfaction scores um there's there there is just a reality if you get a bad review that person is going to tell as many people as they as they can that you did something wrong, as many people as they, as they can. But if you do something right for someone, that person might just tell their loved one and carry on. So, and to your point of the soft yeah. skills, like that's the difference of people wanting to come to you or not. Like, to be honest, like, and this is probably the worst thing for an ex WestJet person to say, Air Canada had the worst customer service, the worst. Like no one wanted to fly them. They were the worst in North America. WestJet came along with customer service. Air Canada made a brand new airline where their employees were, were trained by Disney on how to deliver soft skills. That This was Air Canada Rouge, their budget airline. And they just completely changed their business model to adapt at the time because they understand the value of a good and a bad review. And, and they also didn't have that employee experience or that guest experience concept. Like, don't tell WestJet, but I had an interview with Air Canada <laughs> and I went, through their, I went through their operations center and like they, they have... They, ha they now have, they just recently in their recent history introduced um, something, someone who is looking at the customer experience in irregular operations. So what that means is, and I can tell you honestly, like if someone's going to like Vancouver December 24th to get there for December 25th, firstly, you're a really bad planner if that was your idea yeah. because Canada, Canada has snow. But the problem with that is when planes cancel, peeps are rolling up, you might not get someone to Vancouver for five days. 
Yeah. Right. And so you really got to decide. So previously the old business model was like, well, that plane can't do it, cancel it. Whatever happens to people happens to people where now they're like, okay, if we cancel this plane, five, like 200 people won't be able to go to Vancouver for five days. But if we cancel a plane to Edmonton, those people will get there in two days and we can use that aircraft to fly these people to Vancouver. Oh. And now there is like a, and, and, and that is the value of like having like the, the, like wanting to get a good review. And it, unfortunately it took Air Canada so long, but they are in such a good place right now. Mm -hmm. no, that That's actually cool. Sense. I didn't think of that. Huh. I mean, I don't fly. Oh, much. it's like, you know. if you want, <laughs> yeah. No, okay. dude, you're, oh yeah, COVID, sorry. Yeah, like Reagan <laughs> University, this is the time you should, be, like, you should be traveling, and I'm sorry the world got taken from you, but honestly, uh, when, when that starts opening up, like, Canadian economies can be hurting, you'll, you'll be able to get flights dirt cheap across Canada, because their hotels are like, anyone come, and yeah. uh, they'll, it'll, it'll, it'll open up fast. I mean, yeah, I mean, like Seb and I were uh, planning a trip with our friends, but like, you know, we're just waiting we for are. the things to open up. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which trip? <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I got it all okay. planned out. Bro. <laughs> no, I wasn't told. So we're going on a trip. Apparently. <laughs> That's um, exciting. All right. Yeah. Even that, um, like as part of our program, we have to go on exchange, which is actually one of the like probably my favorite parts of it but yeah. to graduate you have to do a semester abroad so I don't know I think everyone goes to like uh, Barcelona or Paris or where else do people go like Italy France on all the places in France I nice. kind of want to not do that I kind of want to go to Peru I've been saying that for so long I don't know if I'm going to follow through but I'm trying to go somewhere south and just go the alps be the white guy with the fucking what's it called poncho oh out even more <laughs> <laughs> well if if i'm to offer any experience in that definitely go for peru like no That's no cool. no offense to it like as canada as canadians we're very lucky to be able to explore europe very freely and you know, the opportunity to actually go to Peru, like it's such a massive country. And when you go to their downtown, you're not going to have an H&M. You're not going to have a Starbucks. Like you're like, the, and that that's the difference. Like when, when you start like getting like travel miles in, you start discovering that every major city is kind of the same thing, just like with a different color palette. <laughs> you really want to go to the, you really want to go to the Perus. You really want to go to Chile. You really want to, you know, uh, like I, I went to Egypt, I went to Cairo, I was looking at the pyramids. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. And then directly behind me was a KFC. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like these opportunities to like truly experience something different. If you really want to experience something different, I'd say challenge yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I mean, I'm myself, I'm from Ecuador. So oh, the flag um, didn't give it away. Yeah, the flag didn't give it away. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I I knew something was up. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, I mean, I'm from like the I'm from like the equivalent of like a Toronto of Ecuador. So I'm from Guayaquil, and the 
downtown of Guayaquil is very similar. Like it wasn't when I was growing up when I was like seven, eight. But then as we like advanced, everything started to look the same. So like I actually had an opportunity to go back to Ecuador after I moved when I was 12 and I went back when I was 17. And like, it doesn't look very different. Like if I compared downtown Toronto to downtown Guayaquil, it's very similar. But then I remember that before yeah. going to uh, Canada, coming to Canada, I went to Galapagos Island. And that's like a completely different like story. Like the, they have, they pride themselves in the uh, like kind of like the natural aspect of like the country. And like, it's, it's, I see like many tourists, like people from like Germany, like Canada that are coming in with like, they're like chopping up their Spanish and everything, but it's like amazing. Like you, you really see it. And then we have people from Ecuador that, they want to experience the the France of the world, the Belgium of the world, but they have like the one of the I think it's considered like the eighth beauty of like the the world, mm -hmm. and people don't want to do it because it's it's like they don't feel the same connection to it. But even though it's still, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places in the world, so yeah, it's just it's, it's not a little like sad, a, you know. It's not on like everyone's Instagram and shit. Like you, it's not yeah. as sexy to post that as it is to post in front of the Eiffel Tower. I guess so, but they don't know what they're missing. Yeah. It, 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 well, it's always the case. So like with, um, with, with things like that, and like, I wish I, I went to Ecuador, my, my, my best friend, David, he has family there and he said, I'd be well-fed had I gone <laughs> and I missed it. I, 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 I missed it. And, um, <laughs> the, the thing is like, even look at us here, like how often do you guys go to the sea and tower or go to Niagara falls or like, you know, like, have you driven to Sudbury and saw the biggest nickel in the world? It's kind of stupid, but like, it's something to be proud of. Like, I don't know that. Yeah. yeah like, like we, we got so much of it. Like, don't get me wrong. Statistical majority of Ontario and a bunch of the prairies is a big snore. Um, but <laughs> like we got so many great things here. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, uh, and, and to your point of like Ecuador having the same downtown as Paris, I found that pretty funny. Um, and uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the city. You said it once. I've never heard it before and I won't say it again. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you kind of want to get to those places before, before like downtown, the downtown template takes over, yeah. you know, like, it, like, like Machu Picchu, they're going to eventually stop people from going up there because people are ruining it, you know, like uh, in Egypt, uh, for example, like people climb the pyramids. There is no structure there to stop someone from just like standing on top of it and going up. And there's no fencing, no anything, and they're ruining it. And like, unfortunately, like humanity, that's, we just love to ruin it for the sake of a good selfie. And <laughs> So if you, if you get those opportunity guys, like don't go like as much as fun as Amsterdam's going to be, Amsterdam's going to be the same Amsterdam 10 years from now, where if you go to somewhere, somewhere different, it might be dramatically different. The thing that made it unique might go away. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. You have to do a semester abroad. Yeah. Shout out. Sure. I mean, there's like, I noticed it even for myself too. <laughs> yeah. Shout out them. But even um, like I'm Romanian and when we went last time, we're, I think we're like the middle ground. Like we're just slowly creeping into the downtown template because 
like I went to the city my dad's from and it's it's the typical European city you know very clogged congested like built close together the buildings have mm. that certain old style to them and the same thing as you said in Cairo there's like all the patisseries like all the little bake shops all the like cool stuff and then there's like a dawns just like on the end of the corner <laughs> which is <laughs> like not cafe or um I don't know like it's it's interesting to see all the stuff because like you know in Canada and like North America we've bastardized like Chinese food and all the different kind of foreign cuisines into very like consumable like very palatable like not to say that they aren't you know what I mean like we've just kind of dumbed it down and made it in a worse way but I didn't think that at this point that would happen in like like Romania for example like I, I was driving there I'm like there are Chinese restaurants here like full like the same style as they have in the UK or like Canada I'm like that's a bit weird like <laughs> so those kind of places that don't have like the downtown core blueprint set up yet like those are way more enjoyable like even the countryside or any place like that we visited was just way more enjoyable than yeah. what is already everywhere else yeah oh absolutely like we're like were you guys fans of game of thrones I never watched. <laughs> like, not, not, okay, good. Don't want, if you do, don't watch last season. But um, <laughs> Game of Thrones, um, I would say, like, for places like Romania, Croatia, and, you know, where a lot of things are shot because it was super cheap. It was super cheap to shoot there. Yeah. And there was so much natural beauty. And then, you know, what immediately happened after they shot there and did that? All the tourists started coming in. And yeah. then they're like, you know what we need here now in, like, Dubrovnik? We need a Whole Foods. That's just kind of, it, it, it's, an inev- it's an inevitable future. But again, to your yeah. guys' point, when you get that opportunity to travel and if experiencing something truly different, try to pick one of those unique places. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a really great opportunity for you both. On the topic of travel, I think we like we've okay. talked about it, but where have you traveled? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so one time I just went around the world once just to see if I could. Um, so what that looked like that was uh, Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver, Auckland, New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand, Melbourne, Australia. Um, found this cute little airline called Scoot. You paid $30 Canadian and got me from, and that's for anyone, that's not an airline deal. It got me mm-hmm. from Melbourne to Singapore, uh, was in Singapore, then I went Singapore to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Montreal, Montreal to Toronto. Um, Holy shit. And did that in about seven or eight days. Um Again, like, it was just to, like, see if I could. And then, like, you're, you're always hoping for, like, a first-class first upgrade because, like, sometimes it was cheaper to take a flight than it was to get a hotel room, especially when you break North America. Like, you look at any other flying market, it's dirt cheap to get around. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, uh, definitely been to a few places, the Caribbean, the Mexico, been to the States. Um, New Zealand probably has been my most frequented. I absolutely love New Zealand. 
um, because they have a series of microclimates. Uh, so you could go from like really sunny weather to like really cold weather within a 20 minute drive. And that's just normal there. Um, where else? Uh, there's, there's Dubrovnik, there's Italy, France, the UK, Scotland, Ireland, uh, Egypt. Um, yeah, Iceland, Iceland. Iceland was actually one of my most favorite places uh, I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> sorry there's a lot and like i feel like, yeah yeah like that's i feel like, kind of like a, that's a good problem kind of to have. Dick? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a dick that likes that. oh this is what i did but like understand uh, like it was from a very <laughs> it, was from, it was from a very false way of living like i went into those things but i was poor af in all those destinations <laughs> that's why flying was cheaper than sleeping there yeah <laughs> Um, I guess a question that I would like to follow up with is now most of our audience is like university students and like some high school students as well. Say you had the opportunity to go with like as cheaply as possible to whatever in the world, given your experience, what's like one place that you'd have to go as like a university student, maybe because of the food or like drinks or anything like, like the experience, like what's one place that you have to be at? Are we talking like party or are we talking like adventure? I think adventure, because I feel like when you travel, like you don't really look for a party. You look for more like to know stuff. I don't know. That's my take. Okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, okay. And coming from like a Canadian point of view. Yeah. Um, okay. I think it, framing it with adventure and like not that I'm biased, totally biased, but framing it with adventure I would pick Iceland or New Zealand. And there is a, there is a specific reason for that. Iceland, um, so firstly, the airlines going to both those, Iceland Air and Air New Zealand are discount carriers. They fly frequently and they fly to many places. So you odds are you could buy a very cheap ticket somewhere down the line to get to both those places. Iceland Air also extends your stay in Iceland for free um so if you decided you wanted to go for two days but then you you really liked it you could extend it uh and they will rebook you because that is i believe that is how they encourage tourism in their yeah. in their country and then like now that like the drive like iceland is like landing on the moon like it's all this this volcanic rock everywhere like dark roads and then like if you go winter or summer it's a totally different experience and they got all these hot water springs just scattered all along it if you guys get an opportunity google what's called the blue lagoon um it, it's absolutely gorgeous um i would like but it's it, it is super windy so when you're going this hot water and you're coming out and you got super sensitive nipples definitely don't do it <laughs> And um, then uh, New Zealand, uh, the reason why I'd suggest New Zealand is New Zealand would be, their currency is almost on par with the Canadian. So you're going yeah. there and you're getting kind of equal value, but you get a very diverse landscape. So if you want to live a metro life, like a metropolitan life, the North Island is for you. If you want to go on like an adventure, if you want to go camping, kind of like uh 
like rent a few things with the, with friends stuff. You go to the South Island and uh, Christchurch and things like that. You get to experience so many parts of the world uh, very very fast. And like they have like Hobbiton, the town they made for Lord of the Rings, and the 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 New Zealand military was all the orcs for it. And then you got the Glowworms Cave, which is just another phenomenal experience. And just like so much wow. natural beauty. And the reason why I say New Zealand as opposed to Australia, Australia has every deadly animal ever. New Zealand doesn't have any. And <laughs> Australia is also a really good time, but you feel uncomfortable putting your foot in your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I heard uh, New Zealand, I mean, Australia is where God, you know, tries out different experiments. That's like the, the place that he puts them in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's, a, that's a funny way of looking at it but that yes makes sense. absolutely that and <laughs> and australia like not only that the cities are really far apart so it's 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 really far to get like they do have like if you have the money australia is cool but if you don't have the money i'd say go to new zealand that's yeah. advice i might actually i might just do that i need a There's... job though so <laughs> Oh, rough. Yeah, I hear that. Well, you could uh, try and get a summer gig at an airline and suggest that after COVID when they don't suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have any other, like, uh, do you have any other, like, I don't know, for people who, like, uh, I guess university students, unless they're, like, silver spoon, they don't that have that much travel experience, right? Like, do you have any other, like, travel tips or little things you learned in the industry or whatever? Um, starting from Canada, we'll always add like 500 extra dollars to your trip. Uh, and that's, a that, that, that's an unfortunate truth. Like, even if you take the time to drop and like, love you Canadian airlines, but like you look at Canada and you look at our population and like, aside from Toronto, Ottawa and Montreal and debatably Quebec city, how far apart are our major cities, right? Because uh, you go west from Toronto, and like we're talking like major city, not like Hamilton, because that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> like uh, the next major city in a different place might be Thunder Bay. I wouldn't count that either. It would be Winnipeg. Yeah, Winnipeg's really far from Toronto. Where you go to New York, New Jersey's just across the pond. And then there's also like three airports in New York and two airports in New Jersey. So to buy a ticket in Canada just drives additional cost off the get-go. So if you could like mega bus it to Buffalo, like get, get like the $10 mega bus or a casino bus that'll take you to Niagara Falls and you just walk across, um, definitely try to, again, Support the Canadian economy, but if you can't afford it, go see your go see your friends down south, and you'll get a cheaper ticket almost everywhere. Wow! Yeah, That's and uh, <laughs> and actually, um, and if I'm if I'm to say, tr always try to book from the source airline. Um, this is probably the the biggest thing I've learned because, like, and my experience is like people who book from Expedia, people who book from, uh, you know, travel.com or cheapoair.com or whatever, mm -hmm. you might be able to scratch and save like $30 mm -hmm. 
maybe. Um, but what happens is if anything disrupts your itinerary or disrupts your flight travel, the airline has no information on you. They don't even like, they don't, they don't have enough to play with you. They can't like rebook your ticket where if you book directly from your source airline, you then get all the perks of their inventory. Or if you book from Expedia, you have the perks of their customer service, which if you guys ever get the unfortunate opportunity to do that, you're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Expedia, sorry. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be saying that. Expedia is great too, if you need to use it. But, but like, just for, for, for people on a budget, students, we're talking about students, not all people, Expedia, love yeah. you. Um, uh, try, definitely try to go with the source airline. Yeah. In the long run, it'll be better because also, if sorry, and this is probably going too far in depth. If you're connecting airlines, third-party bookers can book you airlines that aren't partnershiped. So if one flight runs late and then you miss the other one, that airline, that second airline will be like, I'm not responsible for you. You were just late. Yeah. So that <laughs> is that is something to consider. Always try to go to the source. Even if you look use Expedia to find your connections, <laughs> this, yeah. this is terrible. But if you use Expedia to find which airlines work together, then go to those airlines and figure out how it works. That would be a better method. Huh. I'm like taking notes down on this. That's the insider <laughs> advice. So I'll tell you, like, my biggest, like, hero moment with, with WestJet was I was an irregular operations coordinator. Okay. And basically what that means is I'm looking at all the flights all day, and I'm just looking at making plan Bs, Cs, and Ds for people. I'm expecting the worst all the time. And uh, basically winter happened, and like that scenario I expressed earlier where someone's not going to Vancouver for five days or they're not going to... Uh, I think this was more so the state. So they weren't going to like Charlotte, they weren't going to Miami. And then they were blaming the airline, like, oh, you're gonna, you're ruining my New Year's. And obviously they booked flights in Canada the day before New Year's. So you're kind of debating whose fault it is at that point. But that aside, um, flights that weren't canceled uh, were flights going to Punta Cana, flights going to Cuba, flights going to Jamaica. And so what I did was I basically took about 450 people and I used all these Caribbean destinations to connect them back to the States. Ooh. So they didn't have to wait five days, but only got, got back in one with also the perk at the time, the rules have changed. If your flight then cancels and you're in the Caribbean, you'll get a hotel and then you'll be spending New York and New Year's in the Caribbean. Yeah. You know, rather than, Toronto, which currently I've already given out like 8,000 hotels. I have no hotels for, for you and no flights for five days. But I could get you there tomorrow, but you have to connect through Punta Cana. Which doesn't seem like a bad idea at all. Like, I would take That's that. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I mean, there's worse things. And so, and but that that is the perk of working for, of booking with a primary source airline yeah. is they can put combinations like that for you that a third party, it, it, it is generated, it is automated. It won't ever think to send someone to what I would call like an ender. Because like when someone's going to Punta Cana, they shouldn't be connecting anywhere else. But with that fact, 
that makes it a great connection because no one should be doing that. Therefore, the flight should work. Yeah. So a, a primary airline would be able to offer you solutions like that. I mean, just what an awful outcome. I can't come to Toronto back into slush and snow and I have to sit in Punta Cana for New Year's in heat under palm trees. That sucks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. And, and that drove good customer service in a bad time. So good, tying it all back yeah. to the beginning, good customer service. <laughs> yeah. With that, I feel like uh, I'd like to thank you for, first of all, you know, sharing all your experiences with us. And uh, thank you for being a part of this podcast. And uh, yeah, if there's anything else that you'd like to, I don't know, say to the audience or anything that you'd like to share one last thing, uh, I guess the floor is yours too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you for including me and giving me the opportunity to come and speak to you. Uh, kudos to you for challenging yourselves in difficult times and trying something new and hopefully something that helps a lot of other people. If I am to have words to any kind of audience, um, just from personal experience, the, the moral, I lost my music connection and I just went down a, a hole and basically I thought I was built to do something, but the moral is you're built to do anything. You just got to treat people properly and then you'll get rewarded for it. And that it's just it, to be successful is just being a good human, human being. So just always try to keep that all you business kids out there.